Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. Episode 81. I raise my hands like this every every time, by the way. I'm, I'm making it <laughs> Oh, you do? Yeah, well, we're on camera today, so this is interesting. tell people this is that we're actually looking at each other for we this never look at each other. It's great. Yes. But Becca and Thais are here. Number 81. <laughs> yeah. This is I'm good. I'm waving hi. I was going to say, the, the point is that so we don't talk over each other, but I don't know that it's <laughs> working. We'll find out. <laughs> it's slightly more distracting and if you're distracted right now thinking am I going to be able to watch this the answer is no because oh no we are in quasi friday casual dress here cuz it's thursday but it's the thursday before christmas it's been week, a weird so. thursday it has and becca been. just got back from hawaii i know yeah. right i'm a little so you're looking jet lagged how was it oh my god how it was it was amazing i mean it was 82 during the day when it was sunny and it could be nice. 76 if it was raining and at night it'd be like 77. We decided to hike up to a waterfall and it just so happened that it was through a rainforest and on a day when it was raining. So we got a little soaked. <laughs> that still sounds <laughs> was, fun though. That sounds It was really like, fun. It kind of, when like we movie. walked through the little gully area, it was kind of like walking through Fern Gully. Mm, yeah. I, I yeah. think I have seen that, yeah. but I don't. Yes. I, I feel like it. I'd want to go see. They filmed Lost in Hawaii, right? The yes. show Lost. Okay. Oh, did they? I think so. The never-ending show, like it just kept going and going. I feel like I'd want to see, like, oh, that's that scene, that scene, and then be a nerd and take pictures of, like, this is me, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we did a kayak tour, and where they dropped us off because they didn't make us go upwind or up current at all, so we just went down current. And they dropped yeah. us off on an island, and brought us to the backside of the island and that's where they filmed part of Jurassic Park. Oh. The newer oh, ones. Oh wow. Yeah, and a bunch of other movies. So I guess this particular ranch also does a lot with the movies that are filmed in Hawaii. Which Very island cool. were you on? Were you on Oahu? Oahu. Did you go up to the that one mountain where the wind blows so strong that you can like lay on it and lift your feet up? I was definitely on what? one of those, but I don't know if it was that specific one. I did it. It's a real thing. There's a There were stories of how the, these people who wanted to commit suicide, they went to the top of this mountain, threw themselves over the edge. The wind literally picked them up and blew them back. <laughs> and so we went okay. up there and it's wow. true. The wind is so strong. You actually, yes. like, I mean, I was younger, but I could like lay on the wind and for a few seconds, pick my feet up. Flying. Yeah. You flew. Wow. Tice has flown. I flew. Superwoman. That's pretty amazing. The human I was, kite. I was 12 and like 60 pounds. Okay. But I did it. <laughs> I did it. There awesome. were definitely some gusts on the last day we hiked up one of the, I would say, windward side peaks. And there were a couple that definitely blew me back a foot or two before I could get my footing. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Did you make sure to listen to the podcast from Hawaii? Actually, wait. I think we have... <laughs> it I haven't she checked did. this of in forever. Maybe it's just Alaska then. I, I oh, we'll, we'll oh, the one edit this part, condense it, but yeah, I don't think there might not be a state missing. Hold on, 
Let's see. I do think Alaska is still missing. U.S. No, all oh, 50 states oh, yeah. are accounted for. We're done. Yeah. Shut it down. Yeah. We accomplished the goal. There we go. Yeah. Who cares about the listen count or episode count? Any of the rest. We've got one from Alaska, one from Rhode Island. I love it. N- Let's just look at the map the so I can see. <laughs> I just want to see the map. Oh, look at that. It's so great. There's no, there's no empty spots. That's cool. That's like a Christmas no. present. So are you gonna are you and your husband getting each other anything for Christmas, Becca, or was that trip like the present? We got each other something for Christmas. Oh. Awesome. A horse? Another horse. No. Shoot. Two horses. I don't need another horse. I'm good with the one. Just once. Just one. <laughs> okay, let's hop over to story time. Just I I think I'm the only one that has one. Worth so mentioning. Yeah. Uh, we won't make it too long. But I, I was on a call earlier today with a builder partner. It was a leadership call and the not the owner, but the the owners have, I think, five planes and do lots of many things. <laughs> but the gentleman cool. who's in charge of the building company for those folks, he said, you know, we didn't even have a marketing department two years ago. We had one person in charge of sales and marketing, but that was it. We didn't even have, we, we, we didn't have any direction. We didn't have long-term strategy or the ability to analyze or solve their own challenges. And kind of like your, your kayaking story there, Becca, because everyone knows I love analogies. They just felt like they were along for this ride and whatever happened, happened. And he's like, <laughs> it was well-intentioned and I, and I loved it. it. It felt great to get, get that kind of feedback. But he goes, you know, you guys deserve the credit for that, but I don't even know if everyone knows that, that you do that kind of thing. Like you literally just turned the whole ship around. And I think what makes that so special of a story to hear for me is that it's, it's not, you know, you, you made great ads for us or you, your emails were awesome you really helped us with CR. It wasn't button pushing, but a, an ownership and a control that we were giving them for for their own future, which is super exciting. And just as I, I know Mike was interviewed by Jen about 10 years ago at DYC and prior to DYC getting involved on the marketing end of things, that just wasn't an option. There wasn't really any anyone. And there, were, there were people, marketing consultants and and folks, but in terms of Really helping your internal department level up their own their own team and ability. So that was just super, a really fun story to to hear and kind of wrap 2019 with. Yeah, for, I'd for say me. so. That's awesome. I need to stalk your calendar now and be mm-hmm. like, detective, yeah. who is this builder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I also love what I love the well-meaning intention. And this is uh, something we get asked a lot. Like, how come you don't put a list of who you work with on your site, or why don't you do more of the other kind of like promotional stuff? And he, he was like, "Get me on camera. I'm going to tell the world how great you are." And we're like, "That we we really love the sentiment, but we have a hard enough time politely declining folks now." Um, so it's it's a good problem to have as we go into 2020. I'm not talk about that. I don't yet, know. That just but, makes me feel like. Like, you're not supposed to do I don't know. Like I know. Already I'm like, Thais probably should edit that that whole story time out. Let's just forget it. Moving <laughs> on to the news. To the news. There are two we weren't planning on doing any news because this is taped a little bit early before the holidays start, but there were I got kind of two articles over over the weekend and, and mid this week that I thought lined up well. And the first one was I wanna say profit.com. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not profit. Profit, profit like profit. Uh, the show. Just profit. <laughs> You never know these days how anyone wants something to be pronounced, but profit.com for digital marketing trends poised to disrupt mm-hmm. in 2020. So I just want to lift, lift, list those off for you, get some quick responses, and then kind of go, really move into the second article, which kind of 
is the antithesis or pushes back on one of the main points here. So the top four digital marketing trends poised to disrupt in 2020. Number one, applied artificial intelligence. So basically just talking about AI has been this thing for academics and scientists and super nerds in, in the basement, in their parents' basement, but now it's being released to the masses in ways that anyone can use it. Uh, drag and drop uh, system building, you know, Facebook's AI system, if you choose to use it. I keep having to remind people that just because you use Facebook doesn't mean you get the mm-hmm. AI. Yeah. Got to make sure you're you're actually doing it. But that's their number one. Number two, which I thought was cool because this also, yeah. it's definitely not a home building article, but they talk about smashing sales and marketing together and what yes. they call smarketing. And I feel like, again, <laughs> yeah. that's what that's what we do uh, on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Very rarely do we work with someone only on the online sales end or only on the marketing side. And it's because you need this. Like, I feel like once you have this connection of the full funnel or the full stack, whatever you want to say, it's hard to, you know, you get that, you get that question. We've Becca and Andrew, we've, we've all been there where they're like, why isn't, why do you think this community is not performing? And we're like, you're like, tell me the rest of the story. And they're like, I can't. Yeah, I want to hope it's so bad, but yeah, the whole picture. Uh, exactly. So I got something else out of this marketing. So I okay. read it as what happens to the role of the salesperson if mm-hmm. if marketing is delivering these customer experiences that drive them further and further down the funnel. In the end, what happens to that role of sales? Yeah. It's something to think, I think about. If you look at other industries and that salesperson, well, it's it's definitely changed. Yeah. In well, in B2B, in B2B, anything? it definitely that funnel is marketing has more yeah. involvement further and further down. And I think in home builders, the digital marketing drives people to the online sales, which really is the beginning of the sales funnel, right? And then they go to their on-site sales, which are really just closers now. And they already know what they want. They already know most of the pricing, most of the amenities. They just need that last human like, touch. Let me see the dirt. Say, like, okay, let me touch it. Okay, this is real. Yeah. I want to see all five countertop choices, and I want to do this and that. And yeah, there, there's it. no doubt that I, some ways that I talk about this, same idea is that marketing is the jockey and sales is the horse, and and so ultimately, more and more control over time has has gone to the jackie, or the or the bit has gotten more useful at controlling that conversation or or inter- experience with the customer. And so, I I think there's the this is the smashing like you're talking about of the actual buyer journey being more in control mm-hmm. of marketing, but also kind of like what is even even at the leadership. So you're talking kind of frontline, but even at the leadership level. This idea of of having one person, the marketing leader, having more control. What What are you showing me? Hands, your hands. <laughs> we never get to well to the hand signals to each other. Got it. Yeah. No, for sure. And peanut butter and jelly and all that. But I think there's just something innately different of of saying that, like the data itself. Or there's no there's no there's no safe spots anymore. There's no mm. hidden like oh no no. no marketing, you go back to that corner and you work on that because we got things covered here. Like there's this peeking over the fences to the extreme now because of how data is accessible mm-hmm. on both ends where both sides can keep each other accountable. That's That I think is healthy as long as everyone culturally yes. is on the same. If you're focused on the customer, that all works. If you're focused on we're the sales department, you're the marketing department, 
we're good, you're not, what's wrong with you, then it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's interesting because the whole idea of the discovery process, which was once controlled by sales, is being assisted by AI at this point, you know, so, and again, it may not, like you said, this is not an article about home building. This may be more applicable to B2B than than B2C, but it's still an interesting concept to consider. Yeah. And I, I think AI and also though, just the sheer amount of data and content available. Mm-hmm. And I'll definitely come back to that later when we get to the 360 topic of the sure. week. But let's move on to Velvet Rope Communities, which, you know, what they're talking about is a lot of your messaging just needing to be more and more specific to a closed group of people. And I think, you know, we definitely see that through our own Facebook group. And I'm a member of other, other Facebook groups, Andrew's members of other, other Facebook groups I know around Facebook marketing. And, but it also makes me wonder about the idea of creating, I, mean, I don't know if I told this story or not. When we were going to Disney this year, my wife joined a, a Disney, going to Disney December, 2019 Facebook group and became what? friends and connections. And I, it blew my mind. That. Cause I'm just like, like she's talking about other people's stories that we don't know. We'll okay. never see. And she's still, while we're there, she's still talking to them, telling them what we did. And I'm like, where have you gone, (laughs) Melanie, to this dark hole? Is this real? so cool. And and it was moderated somehow. I think this is the part I told us. There was a Disney employee somehow in there because she posted a link to a service that was against Disney's terms of service to like schedule meal things automatically when they become available. And it got deleted and she got her hand slapped because of that process. And so this idea of having these closed communities that are not necessarily controlled by a realtor or a realtor-like individual, but hey, looking to move to Columbus in, in mm-hmm. fall of 2020 and all the people who are relocating have a place to find and go and communicate and really build insane amounts of digital trust and connection could also, and I mean, Reddit, again, is another one of those places where it's a, anything's possible there. It's, it's a dumpster it's, as well sometimes. It's a dumpster. <laughs> But but this idea of creating velvet rope communities around purchasing experience is also not completely nuts. I don't think based upon no, I don't think my so. wife's I think experience it's more on Disney of how the builder responds to those, not responds to those, but how they act will be there. Mm-hmm. How they're reflected in the group yeah. more so than trying to be a part of it because they're like, get out of here, you're the company, like we don't want you. But if they're like, um, like we're going through this thing, I think I told some of y'all about like behind a house, the drainage and all this stuff, and so it's interesting for some reason. Lindsay, my wife, is in the middle of the engineer and KB. Like, she has no reason to be talking to any of these people, but because she's complained <laughs> enough and said enough, there's movement on it, which, you know, if a hurricane comes, like, it's an issue because it's not draining. But it's like everyone in the whole neighborhood knows about it. Like, our little velvet rope community in the right. neighborhood knows. Yep. So, how they feel about the builder and everybody is based on her interaction. It's, it's, it's interesting. So, it's the same thing, but online. Uh-huh. It's just now it's a permanent record of everything. Closely connected to it is why, and I know why builders would be nervous about this, but why not find an employee if you're big enough to be able to, to pull this off, have an employee who becomes your influencer. And a, a lot of online salespeople become that, but why you don't have someone who I is agree. the influencer for new I construction agree. in your market and mm-hmm. doesn't have commission breath, isn't constantly saying your builder's mm-hmm. name, doesn't always have your logo in the background, but is just that person that people trust who have questions about real estate in your, in your market, it becomes like in a way I'm, I'm maybe turning this too much on its head. And Thais sometimes has the look of like that school teacher. Who's like, I'm not sure what you're, 
really saying there. Right I know now. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> like an influencer's network is kind of its own velvet rope community, or at least the people who are in yeah. it feel like it. Like they're just posting mm-hmm. Instagram stories. But my wife, when she buys that vest that that gal was wearing, she's talking to someone else and like, did you get it from there? Like, did, is that who you saw wearing it? Blah, blah, blah. So again, it's a, it's a, there is no true velvet rope. It's on a social network that anyone could, could hop in, but it's a, it's a group of people connected around an idea or, or an influencer that's causing, causing movement. And it all gets wrapped up in what I thought was a nice Number little four. paragraph here. that I'm just going to read from the article. It's, it's a, it's a good one to read on your own, but growth leaders must come to grips with the reality of a world where AI is no longer a promise, but a fact put an asterisk on that one with the next article where marketing is changing the very nature of their roles, where velvet rope communities shift social influence from mass reach to targeted expertise and where the contextual omnichannel con- connects the analog and digital experiences. And I'm reading this before I forgot to talk about that one. Oh yeah. But uh, omnichannel <laughs> meaning not just digital, but physical interactions as well. And you know, the clearest example of that is the loyalty programs. I mean, finally now, the folks at checkout have gotten the clue when they say, would you like to join the, you know, it doesn't matter what you're buying, right? I go to the lemonade stand. I feel like the lemonade kid is going to be like, do you want to join my loyalty program? Can I have your email address? And I'm just like, nope, I don't have your loyalty program. I don't want it. I don't care. I'm like, I hate those things. Get them out of here. (laughs) But they're moving away from just that loyalty program of just the card swipes to realize and we have cameras, we have beacons, we have all these other things that we can analyze micro conversion moments in the physical space. And, and because I'm close to the headquarters of Kroger, which is, I think the largest corporation that does grocery stores. I mean, they have, they, they just build out an entire store inside of a warehouse where people go in, buy their groceries and they analyze them to death to figure out exactly Hmm. what decisions people are making. Hmm. And they know going in what's happening, but it's just like a, it's like a test market where they build out an entire, entire store, but they can, a B test aisle design and layouts and end caps and that'd be fun. Uh, new technology. Uh, but, but companies are starting to roll that out in mass, which I do think is a potential privacy issue mm-hmm. as, but that's the last one. Contextual omni-channel marketing, connecting the digital and analog experiences to predict future behavior. And We're market watched to everywhere. That. We're watched and measured everywhere. Even in the, you know, uh-huh. probably walking down the street. How, exactly. how do pedestrians use the sidewalk? Yep. How do pedestrians cross the street? <laughs> right. How do they cross it? 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Oh, man. Were you saying something, Andrew? Oh, I was saying I went to the, and this is some crazy dude, but he had a GoPro mounted on his hat. Or I went to the store yesterday. I'm like, what was wrong with you? I wanted to ask him, but he just looked a little too. Now I'm like, okay, it's not worth the risk to be the like, hey, what's up with the GoPro? <laughs> But I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're a crazy person. He didn't, I was yeah. expecting, like, oh, he's like a YouTuber. And he's Where like, was he? No, he was not. He was, you were going to um, get a story. This was at Kohl's, Like, inside the store? Which is weird. <laughs> and it was on? Inside the store. Like, and the then camera he walked was outside. On? Yeah, it was on. Yeah, and it had, like, it's just a regular hat. And he didn't, if it was like a younger kid or, like, say, up to, I don't know, 40 or something like that. Like, okay, he's YouTube doing video. something. He was he's vlogging. recording something for some. But this was like an older, like, I'm like, this is weird. Okay, get out of here. But it was, we're watched everywhere. <laughs> He's I definitely guess. not mystery shopping with it mounted to his He's hat. Not. <laughs> and it was, I forgot which GoPro it was. Not but, someone from Clear Evaluations. But it's not like the Getting small, the small one. Experience. It was one of the older Our ones. Hands. Oh, man. Yeah. It's good choice. 
All right. Our second news story, which again is connected to bullet point number one, applied artificial intelligence, because I think this is the next wave of, of the hype cycle that I'm concerned about is AI everything. You know, yeah. we're going to just apply AI to this problem and solve it, apply AI to this problem and solve it. We're going to be able to remove employees. And again, still for the most part, we see that there's a need for more marketing expertise on the human side and more sales uh, capacity to give great customer experiences than less overall. But this one comes from wired.com. And this is, if you ever are lucky enough to work with us here at DYC, you get these kind of messages from me where I was like, here's a good light Sunday afternoon article (laughs) to to read. (laughs) The headline is a sobering message about the future at AI's biggest party. Leaders in artificial intelligence warn that progress is slowing Big challenges remain, and simply throwing more computers at a problem is not sustainable. And so you just, it's a good counterpoint of, although AI is the number one bullet point on the last article, and, and again, we've talked at great length this year and, and last year about Facebook and Instagram's AI technology and, and how well that, that's working. Uh, a couple things here, and this is one that we'll just kind of skim over again. It's a great one to read in depth. But one example here is this quote from the article. It says, a system trained to show superhuman performance at one video game is incapable of playing any other. We have machines that learn in a very narrow way, Bengio said. They need much more data to learn a task than human examples of intelligence, and they still make stupid mistakes. And that stupid mistakes part is the biggest and scariest part of it is, is when they make a mistake, it's... Like if you, again, we go back to something like air, airline travel, right? It's one thing to say the AI takes over and, and it's, it's 99% accurate, but you know, if it sees, if it sees a duck flying upside down, it may just nosedive the whole plane and everyone dies, right? Like that's the example of a stupid, it's, it's not, it's not even a, it's off the, it's off the range, stupid. It's so stupid that a human being would probably never, ever do that. Mm-hmm. And it's at a speed and a, and a breadth that that is beyond what humans are because of how fast computers can can think and act. And so, there's kind of two things to talk about quickly: it's just how how narrow this is, you know. And that that's what like chatbots and whatever else is like. This this thing can talk like a human being. No, it can't. Maybe about one narrow little thing. Like, do are you open today or not? What are your hours? You know, it, so, so there's just the narrowness that I think people don't understand yet about how AI works. This reminded me of, I think everyone, maybe everyone here is watching on Disney Plus Mandalorian, the Star Wars yeah. series. I gifted uh, one of our better partners a Disney Plus subscription for the year just so they they, were, they hadn't watched right. the Mandalorian. And I was oh like, you need a Disney Plus subscription. Anyway, so there's the, <laughs> I'm not ruining it for anybody. There's the, the bounty droid, right? Yeah. That's all he knows how to do is go and be a bounty yeah. hunter. And then later, no, this I, is a stat spoiler. That's, Hold on okay. Now. Okay. Well, he's, that's all he knows how to do, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. So it's the same right. thing. Like you see this, you know, he's equipped for that, but then you take him out of that environment and it's like, that's not what it's for um, right. at all. And so yeah. it's the yeah. same type of thing. Like it's like the Facebook AI It was really interesting. They talked about like AIs don't have general knowledge nope. and it's just yeah. like, there's no foundation. It's just like, here's Facebook's AI to optimize delivery of ads to for a certain outcome and that's all mm-hmm. I can do. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's where that we're was at. Super eye opening because I knew they were limited in their intelligence, but I didn't understand that like 
if one could superhumanly play one video game and then look at another one and be like, ah, yeah, and just which is crazy, explode. Like just, my my kids are obsessed with chess. My my boys especially. The girls took a chess class in their homeschool group, and then the boys got into it. So I got uh, Hayden, my my now seven year old, and a chess set where the AI plays plays with you and it's got like magnets and it, so he's they're all about this but they had never seen checkers and we were waiting for the what's the ride where you go they through the briar skip, patch skip checkers for chess they just yeah we just go straight to chess in the Oakley household <laughs> move it over uh the, the game of the game of kings but we were waiting for, what's that ride in disney world where you go through the briar patch splash mountain we're waiting oh. for our splash mountain fast pass and in the in the boutique the the store hanging out in the AC. They've got two setups for, for checkers. Oh yeah. Okay. And they're like, what's that? And so I explain it to them in about 15 seconds and I'm leaving, but I come back and they're, they've got it all figured out. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas a computer cannot translate something so simple. Like there's same color pieces, same board, just slightly different rules. It would have to start from square one and take a tremendous amount of time to become able to beat my seven-year-old at chess crazy right so but it's also also that's like the protective some people are like ter- terrified of anything about like the future like 30 years from now this problem solved mm-hmm. now this thing can do anything that it wants yeah, to do right, right? and then you're like oh this is yeah. crazy this is well and to be clear learning chess is going to take the ai much shorter amount of time than checkers because there's but there's less possible outcomes but basically anything that doesn't have a finite rule set uh, connected to it you either have to create a finite rule set mm-hmm. or the AI is not going to be able to do a, a great job yep. with it. Or it's going to require a lot of human handholding. And that's, again, Disney is probably going to be part of a lot of my stories and analogies. But you know, Turtle Talk with Crush sounds seem, seems so amazing because this turtle is talking with you about, you know, oh, Sydney, you're from Columbus, Ohio, and where's your parents and talking to me? And, you know, it's, but it's just another human being behind this curtain with a second human being controlling the facial movements and the animation options of the turtle. And so uh, I to look it it, you look at I'm it and it seems magical like AI, but it's, it's got heavy human uh, involvement at the same time. Now they are, they do talk in the article real briefly about basically AI now saying, instead of just coming up with the solutions to challenges we give you, we want you to come up with answers and solutions to challenges and simultaneously create your own new challenges with the idea of it slowly being able to create new scenarios that humans haven't even been able to, to think of or experience and proactively hmm. learn faster. So, hmm. but to bring it back to home, Facebook's director of AI said recently that his company and others should not expect to keep making progress in AI just by making bigger deep learning systems with more computing power and data. At some point we're going to hit the wall, he said, and in many ways we already have. Uh, they also talked about self-driving cars, you know, Uber and Google. Google's been working via Waymo on self-driving technology for almost twice as long, I think, as Uber has. But they're they they're like, well, crap. We Man. thought we were so close. We're not. We're yeah. not that close in terms of fully autonomous mm-hmm. self-driving for the masses. We just don't need to drive um, anywhere. That's the so, solution. <laughs> I think they would have to, exactly. they would have to build the infrastructure. I mean, it could work, but it, they would have to build this yeah. entire infrastructure in order for self-driving cars to actually like 
for it to work. Right. Right now. And their hope yeah. was that they wouldn't have to do that, right? Just use the existing infrastructure and just make it smarter. But enough there would to, never to... be a way because it, you're putting robots yeah. alongside human drivers. So. We never thought that llama would cross the road. Like I remember my, I mean, on an, on a major outer belt in Columbus or two, 270, the outer belt here along a major road, sawmill road, my friend hit a deer in the middle of a 10 lane freeway. Like then there's fences up all over the place. There's houses everywhere. And it's like that no. deer should never have been where it was. Yeah. And even if you learn the deer, you can't learn about well, the llama until, you know, it's just like yeah. Becca's horse gets loose. Or the, or the human yeah. who has like a stroke while they're driving, like, you know, mm-hmm. it would just oh, never work unless everything was on an automated. If you want to have a lot of fun, I don't know the name. I know there is a name for it, but there's the AI thing about who should die. Right. It, uh, there's like actual. There's games and quizzes because this is a real thought of when the self-driving car, it could hit two people on the crosswalk or it could kill the driver. What's what's it supposed to do? And the first couple the first couple rounds of this game are very easy because you're like, oh, we'll just do this. And then it's like, well, what if it's, you know, two overweight, obese people who are likely to die from just being generally unhealthy within the next week anyway? Like if the car can analyze all that and be like, this person's thousand pounds. I, it just it get or or what if it's well, a human yeah. that's in a, a baby carriage with it? You know how much value is in? Or what if it's an obese person who potentially tomorrow might save a baby from an accident? I mean, there's no way you right. cannot. Uh, yeah, you cannot. So, but then it almost boils down, and I'll shortcut to the to the kind of the crux of the game is, or, or the and it's a game that's being played out for a real purpose is. So I bought this really expensive car that can drive itself. Shouldn't it prioritize my life because I'm the owner would, of the car? As far as the driver would always right. prioritize. Right, that, like, sort of. Well, sort of. You don't know. Like, I don't want to hit that person, <laughs> but I, I, maybe I'll hit the building or whatever it is. Lava. But also, we're conditioned to buy cars on safety. Mm-hmm. We, we buy them to protect us. So if all of a sudden the AI you, maybe won't has sell. to make that decision. Be leak. WikiLeaks yep. version 5. Anyway, this this has gone. Uh, it's longer the discussion yeah. than I thought we'd have, but yeah, it, it it's just even the simplest things that we do. Back to mm-hmm. the Mandalorian, you know, it shows a, a good clip of this of this yeah, thing relearning some stuff. I mean, you can watch it this um, whole weekend, and it's, it's some of those are like yeah, twenty yeah. minutes, twenty five minutes long. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have subscription to Disney Plus, email me, and I'll decide yeah. if you're worthy <laughs> or not. I'm just kidding. Let the AI yeah, decide. decide. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let my AI decide. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's another t-shirt opportunity. Okay. Over to the 360 topic of the week. Thais, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us, tell us what we're doing. We are here. talking about what everyone is looking forward to going into 2020. This could be something professionally, something industry-wide, just something going into the new year, what we're looking forward to embracing, looking forward to doing, to knowing that sort of thing. Yeah. So I can start us off. So I am really excited about this idea of slow content. And if you haven't heard of the concept, it's the idea that by producing fewer, higher quality pieces of content that really resonate with your audience, you're making more of an impact. Mm. It, it, It kind of follows the slow food idea, the slow travel idea. The less but deeper you go, the more meaningful it is. 
I personally, I agree with it because it's impossible to consume the amount of content and information that's thrown at us on a daily basis. But this is also, it can be a difficult thing to do, especially if you've been doing content marketing for a while or producing content for a while. There was once a time when the more, yeah, when volume. you needed more content, you needed that steady stream of content to, for SEO, to stay top of mind, to, you know, brand authority, like all this stuff. So I'm excited about this and even what we could do here at Do You Convert, but it does take paying attention to your audience and, and what they're consuming, what challenges they're having, um, and how you can be a, of service to them and, you know, producing something that really sticks. Yeah. Selfishly, I hope that a lot of people start doing that that more often because the, I think the time of creating a piece of content where you are only talking about the challenges and the problem, and yeah. then you're like, contact us. You throw problem. in your byline and and hope that it gets you business or causes people. I mean that that's just no. that's not what anyone's looking for today. We're looking for answers and solutions. And again, it, inherently now in that strategy that used to do very good is. I don't know that I should trust this person or this company if, I, if all they're doing is giving hints. And mm-hmm. I've seen those and I'm like, oh, that seems interesting. Small pieces of, like, of information you, out at a time. You jerk. But yeah, I think we think outside of wasn't enough superficial. home building, just what we consume, yeah. probably at least for me, like things that are not work related. I'm like, oh, that is all slow, deep, super boring to others content. And would be like, well, you listen to that for an hour and a half. Like, yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I've <laughs> even had to like to avoid just going crazy. I've had to like limit the number of blogs I read on a daily basis or the number of podcasts that I listen to, Mm -hmm. or even like, you know, I've really had to sort of refine my content consumption. Otherwise you just, Mm -hmm. it's too much and you don't retain anything. It's just nothing. It's like in one ear, not the other. Yeah. Well, and I think once you have that slow content, which I had not really heard that term before. So thanks for, for sharing it with us is you know, content that is never ending and always updated, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you write Mm -hmm. that piece that is in-depth enough and and broad enough, the idea Mm -hmm. of it can always be updated and adjusted. You can always come back to it. There's actually a stat, I think from the Content Marketing Institute, that 90% of these brands' content was content that had already been published a year ago. And people just kept, Mm -hmm. and and we see it even Mm -hmm. on our own website, people keep going back to those same key pieces. Yep. And I think especially for people bringing it back to to us specifically, what excites me about that is if someone's brand new, they have a, a piece of content that could get them really far. Yeah. Yes. And that's that to me is like I can think of specific pieces of content where I'm like, that is the thing that opened up this whole new idea or thought or or kind of world to me. And that's the stuff that you'll from a brand equity standpoint, those people who created those resources that's it's it's a big deal yeah. to you for the rest of your career. Yeah. But sometimes. it is it does take some rethinking, especially yeah. if you've been doing yeah. if you've been doing it for a while because mm-hmm. you just have to shift in your state of yep. mind. So Yep. All right, Becca. Well, we haven't had too many big changes from Facebook and social media yet, you know, recently. Yeah. And I'm kind of looking forward to next year because I think there may be some because it's been a while. And I can't wait to see what they are. It's, we're just waiting. It just, it's like, they have it in queue. Like, they just are waiting. Like, like waiting. <laughs> yeah. And even part of that is on, on coaching calls with builder partners, there's this sense of, from all of us, um, like how much longer will this current way of doing things that is so amazing keep working? So the, the hunt's always yeah. on and we're still testing things and trying things. And 
I was just slacking Andrew yesterday. I'm like, why is there three of this? That looks kind of same to me. What are you doing here? I know there's a <laughs> yeah. test happening. What's the ad doctor doing? <laughs> it's, but it's, a weird thing it's one of those, on. yeah, you, careful what you wish uh, for at the same time, right. Becca, but I, I'm with oh, you. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't mind mm. yeah. some more some more things to test over. Like the stuff you're testing now, Andrew, is like four layers deep. There's no like brand Ooh. new this to, to get your hands on. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. almost like a... They're little hacks, essentially. What because I'm like, there has to be something. So I, I don't want to say I'm getting bored, but I'm like, how can I get five percent more versus before? It was like quadruple ten yeah. x whatever result from before. I was like, how can I get that little bit? Nope, that didn't work. The original yep. way was still better. Okay, on to the next well, idea. Part of that now that right. the AI is getting probably to its pretty its much point of no return, that these smaller mm-hmm. changes will start to be more important. I think it's be more dependent upon technology in the phones. Is my hunch. I mean, until there's some other yeah. thing for the AI to get new or different data from or display uh, the creative content in a different way. That's part of the problem with Twitter is they just can't find yeah. what is the ad platform that will work or resonate or get results. You know, so they're just stuck. Yeah. Facebook has found this one thing, but the next innovation will be much harder to find. I got one more. I'm one also more. looking forward to a better picture of the full buyer journey Ooh. and how all the puzzle pieces mm. fit together. So like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Google Analytics, Google Ads, like how all of those fit in yeah. with your model home, your inventory homes, and how you get through the whole experience and how each piece has value added to the whole yep. experience. That's a big one. <laughs> and tracking. Yeah, that's a fun one. I think we're going to be talking yeah. to some people in future episodes about more one. and more about that. I'm excited. All right. I have a few, so I'll, I'll kind of go through them all. Then we could pick which one we want to talk about. Um, so same thing with Google. I've been hoping for some Google yes. changes. Um, and one of my Velvet Rope communities, we we're discussing like, how are you, what is your bidding strategy? And it's still the same one. Most people mm-hmm. are using that was you know, like 10 years ago. Like no one's adopting like the AI driven bidding strategies too much with Google, which is really weird. It's just not working. This kind of fits the slow content, but um, yeah, deeper or Kevin, I don't know if you, if you came up with the term or if this was from somewhere else, like the bingeable content for builders. And I do know a few are yeah. working on it. So I'm really excited to see Me what that too. looks like. But just thinking about my yep. experience building and how I would use <laughs> hashtags on Instagram to try to find Yep. The kitchens for this public builder that's in the top five versus going to the website and having uh-huh. white cabinets, 42 inch or whatever it is, uh-huh. this price room. And just why is that not there? It's so, I don't say <laughs> stupid, but it is really stupid. It's not on the site. You build 15,000 homes a year. Yeah. Like, I do not have pictures of every cabinet. Content doesn't have to be expensive, but yes. it's almost yeah. never easy, especially more in-depth, interactive, people. things like that. But I... There's someone that a lot of people listening would know their name, not not anyone from Do You Convert, who on a regular basis tells me how ticked off he is that my suggestion that builders should have their own podcast. And he's like, they don't need their own podcast. They don't need they don't need that. And I'm I'm you know everyone's going to have a podcast now, and there's already too many. It's like there used to be no no builder podcast. Now there's a bajillion builder podcasts like for for the home building space. We don't need more builders having their own podcast. And I think it's just about the audience you're thinking about. You know, the the Wonderland Homes podcast is not for anyone uh, else except for those who are looking at new construction homes 
in Northern Colorado and Denver, right? And if in that's Denver. not you, then yeah. it's not. And thinking about Wonderland. Not for you. Yeah. And it's maybe podcast. I think podcast gives that expectation. I th- I'm sure I've said this before, like of an ongoing series that is meant to market, but it really is just, I take it mm-hmm. as it's a audio education uh, so they can consume it when they're driving or when they're at the gym or wherever they're going, where they don't have to read an article or yes. watch a video on the site. Like let them learn about how to build with you guys in their ears. Peeking it's at your that. notes, this is kind of similar, but but not not there. Just there's there Uh-oh. are these dead moments as a buyer. I mean, you've probably experienced it, Andrew. You know, like where you're super excited, and then that mm-hmm. one, it's like Christmas morning happens. That the you know you sign the contract, you make your selections, and then you twiddle your thumbs. And that's yep. where if there was this bingeable content to fill those gaps, where every time my wife was going 100%. to work, if she was going to work somewhere, she could listen to and feel engrossed in that. You know, star the the Star mm-hmm. Wars movie comes out today. I'm going to go see it, and like all of my extra time when I can afford to just have something Star Wars related content because I'm excited mm-hmm. about going. Going to the movie tonight. So I want to read articles and my kids are in another room streaming all the movies again to catch back up before yeah. we go. It, that, that's just a natural human desire. Fill the dead space. There needs to be. Yeah. Because we, we were four minutes from where we were building. We would drive by it almost every day. So we're like, oh, let's go look at it. Oh, look at the dirt. There's nothing there. They did not like it, of course, because like, hey, there's this thing there. There's the job site story, all this stuff. But they sort of distracted us with this stuff instead of yeah. thinking about like what's going what on. What a great opportunity um, to say, hey, the next step is this. Let's talk about what's happening in permitting and, and drafting. And so we'd understand what's going it. On. It's like another exactly. iteration yeah. of the Velvet Rope community. This is a targeted, yeah. focused mm-hmm. interest that a group of people mm-hmm. has, and there's an opportunity yep. to serve them. For, to fill, yep. to fill and they're spending niche. a lot of money with you, so <laughs> it's it's not like it's a pen or something. Although I'm sure there's podcasts for yep. pens and or weird things like that. But yep, <laughs> I'll get my next one. Better attribution. Uh, this is really what Becca said. Better attribution, but I don't. <laughs> This is my caveat on it, but not create a distraction for credit. So people are like, oh no, Facebook or oh no, Google or oh no, whatever. But just so that we could see mm-hmm. a bit more. I'm going to say this one. We could delete it. I want Kevin to record pre-sale without fail an audiobook <laughs> version. I think that'd be super cool. And it's not like it's, I mean, Kevin, you have tons of time. I feel so. like I, okay. So here, here's, well, let's just, and I want to keep this in because this is a good, I just want people to hear how we, you know, we really do just talk like this to each other. I think I'm all for creating some type of audio companion piece of stories or inter- a series of interviews. I feel like to me, and I could be wrong, so uh, you know, feel free to call in, put in the Facebook group. I, I think Kevin's crazy. To me, it's like a textbook. It's, it's, a, it's something you have to reference to. And as an audio, I, I feel like there's too much technical or like you have to reference other pieces to it. Could be wrong, but I feel like I wouldn't want to listen to it if it was me. I'd want to. I'd want to have something I'm writing notes on or circling or. I guess I'm thinking along the sides of say the marketer, like hey, we're doing this pre-sale mm-hmm. thing, ah, and this sounds very no, I self-promotional. Like Work, marketer has the workbook, has uh-huh. the book. There's not a workbook. Yeah, maybe there could be a workbook, but then sales manager, right. salespeople who are driving it. or have time in the yes, car. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's a supplemental material of, yeah. they don't need to know the whole timeline. Yes. It's like, okay, salesperson, you've got this yeah. audio re- recording because you guys are about to crush pre-sale without fail. Here's everything you need to that's know. right. Yeah. I love it. There you go. This, see, I'm listening yes. to it right now. <laughs> the <laughs> sound bites would be absolutely helpful. Sean, Dan, uh, Sean Van Dyke can record it because his voice, yes. you know, he, he has a radio voice, but then it wouldn't be Kevin Hartley, so he doesn't yeah, so, get to well, it. Well, I've had people... <laughs> 
offer to record it and i've said go for it you can you can have audio producer credits disney plus that's funny disney plus subscriptions i think it'd be super helpful because i know that when i was a marketer i was going through the pre-sale without fail process it was hard to get the sales people to kind of buy into and then also the management had a hard time understanding because you know they just don't have time to read the whole book but having a little soundbite and a little workbook to say, here are the things, here are our goals. Yeah. Here's how we get there. I just love, this is the smaller part of my brain that is a salesperson or, or influence or change management. I love being, I love the idea of having a salesperson listening to it and being like, and so what you're probably thinking right now is this is a bunch of baloney. Like yes. this is how we, you know, yes. and so just being able to overcome that unstated objection in an audio or video format would be fun. It could, All right. it could be our next fun. traveling workshop, Kevin. Pre-sale. <laughs> there you go. Do we have one traveling workshop? It would be our. Don't don't tell Dang. everyone all of our plans. Sheesh. That's what fun. else you got, Andrew? My last one is: I feel like there's a revenue opportunity and customer happiness. If there was somehow influence from selection or the design studio on marketing. Um, I'm just thinking with yeah. with builders as far as like, hey, we really need to be talking about these things. Mm-hmm. People love them, but they don't know we have them. I feel like you can just force this like, yep. hey, we have these types of options, but then the builders have to be willing to do those or things that people will typically do after they buy their home, like the wall yeah. behind me. I have no idea why builders wouldn't offer things like that that aren't, you have the trim guy out anyways. I, I don't know. I don't know the production side at all, of course, but I'm like, there's a lot of money. It seems like there's left out. That could be just adding these little things. I know there's more complexities as far as building schedule. Or the, or not talking about them could be the reason that you don't get a yeah. sale altogether. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's both sides mm-hmm. of it. You know, my next house will have nothing but Insteon switches in the home. That's that to me. That's what it's so different to everyone. To me, having a new home doesn't mean more square footage. It just means all things technology are gonna play nice together. And I will be able to control everything talking to Alexa. Like that, that, that's what a new home means to me. And so a builder, if I were going to talk to them and they're like, yeah, we don't, you can't do that stuff. I'd be like, next, move on on. You know, we're, we're going to talk to Makes somebody sense. else. Yeah. I feel like they should have, it's kind of like we have sales is pushing marketing, but product, everything about product development with like outside of home building, mm-hmm. they don't really have much yeah. influence on marketing. Seems like they should. And I've worked for three different home building companies. Only one of them ever talked about take rates on a regular basis, meaning what percentage of people take the level two option on granite? What percentage of people take this type of beveled edge on the on the trim? Or what percentage take adding on a sunroom or not? And specifically, that not necessarily taking it all the way back through marketing. Those discussions are more about pricing of those options to make sure, like, do we want our exteriors look better. Well, maybe we should make sure that more people take that option oh. by making it more affordable. And all that, I think um, all that ties into the slow content and then the the deeper bingeable content. If you have those, it's obviously different builders, but if you have like, I know we had like three different trim options for like the baseboards and we were like, I don't mm-hmm. know, our ceilings are this tall. What should we go with? They're like, oh well, yeah, you should go with this one because it makes no sense to have the little one. I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds good for me. All that could have been talked about. I could have shown up to the design studio. Like we need to spend this much money and have these choices yep. because you already told me these things. That's yep. it. My list. All right. Super big. 
Kevin, your turn. My first one is more, I should sound more excited about it, but there's just a lot here. Uh, more well-rounded strategies that are still meaningfully built upon quantitative and qualitative data. What I mean by well-rounded strategies is I feel like we've reached, we've reached another tipping point where enough time has gone by where people have had to have already tried to hack a certain strategy or a certain spend level on certain channels where they're like, well, that's just not working. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to go all in on PPC, Andrew, and we're going to spend $30,000 or 20,000. Like I was talking about in the last $20,000 per city, we're going to make that work. And then they're not seeing the same return or they go to all landing pages or that, but I think, I think there's just been enough time where for instance, bad social Mm -hmm. marketing has been figured out that that's just not working like, or enough time of organic social with no ads running isn't getting you the results you need. I think, I think there's, I feel a certain relenting by people who have pushed back in the past or like, yep, like we just know we have to change now. And so some of those bad strategies I think are just naturally going to start falling away or be easier to convince people to change from. And also I think, you know, everything's a pendulum, but everyone is pushed so far towards just the absolute best cost per click instead of understanding that the the cost per result combined with the experience on all sides of getting that result mm-hmm. is what matters. And so having both quantitative and qualitative data informing, but not ruling over the decision, like we talked about with both of those attribution and and digital ad articles a couple episodes ago. So I think just having, and, and even just this podcast, it's been fun uh, running into people who are like, you know, I've met them maybe only twice in a three-year period. And the last time I met them, I was like, hmm, good luck. You know, I hope <laughs> not, not, not I'm, I'm over-exaggerating, yeah. but you're just like, okay, like all you want to talk about is, are you sure the internet is important in today's world? And then you come back and meet them yeah. uh, and they're like, yeah, I, I, I've been listening to podcasts and, you know, we've cut this and reappropriated that. I just think, I think we are making progress on the journey of having better discussions in our industry. I think so. Because of uh, a lot of the content that you guys have been have been putting out on this site and, and this podcast. I am interested to see how Google fights back uh, because they're definitely losing right now the, the, the ad battle. And some bad PR um, this past week, if you've been following that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I still think I wouldn't be surprised if Google tries to acquire. I mean, I still think Amazon or Google or Apple to a lesser extent, someone should buy Twitter and then fix it or change it. Anyway, I'm just interested to see see what happens. I think it'd be fun to watch some builders attempt to go beyond a single transaction model where not not just build to rent, which is a whole other thing, but we're going to sell you the house once and maybe make a little less off of it, but we're going to have an ongoing relationship with our customer. And through that service and ongoing relationship, there's going to be other opportunities for us to make money. And so we're going to be able to create an affordable price point that no one else is because we're not we're not only looking at a single transaction model because it's just it's too hard and it's becoming harder every year to bring home sites online to get them approved to not have crazy restrictions put up, put upon you that I think there's there's going to be more people trying that out. I'm really excited particularly because we're going through this process ourselves to see consumers keep getting more and more control over the entire process. That made half the people listening spit out their coffee or get sick to their mean? stomach because you already feel like the consumers are 
are taking over your life and causing you too much headache and hassle. And you're just annoyed with having to moderate all those comments on social media all the time. But I think it's going to, you know, tour booking, on-demand access, iBuying, all of this stuff, it creates a huge opportunity for the innovators to win again. And what I mean by that is, again, I'm going to keep using Disney, crowd control or crowd solutions. All of this mass power to the consumer is going to lead to chaos because there's going to be companies who are like, nope, put, try to put that genie back in the bottle. Like tour booking, never heard of it. On demand, no, that sounds like something maybe in 2040 we'll have that, but you can't do that now. Like they're going to just stick their head in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. There'll be other people who just tiptoe. There are other people who go in all the way. And I think that chaos that's created by unleashing that control to the customer Every every amusement park has line problems, but Disney's the only one who keeps innovating. You know, we're gonna we're gonna give you fast passes. Now we're gonna put this thing on your wrist. Now we're gonna let you just check in online and we'll just tell you when to come back so you don't have to wait in line at all. We've got games for you. They they look at it and say, crowd control is a really messy problem. We don't say we give up or we're just gonna they're they're innovating because they understand how key that is to the experience. This fits that whole one. Did you see, I won't say her name, but she put it on her Instagram story. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, that's another thing that exactly I'm what you said. super proud of her. Uh, we, can, we can give the context there. We don't have permission, I don't think, to share her name, but she created an, a start a offer. Or start an, offer, an, offer, start button. an offer. Start and an offer. Yeah, start an offer. And they're only going to use it on inventory, select inventory, whenever they decide the back end of their, of their site that's been built by O'Neill. They can toggle that on and off. So they're going to start slow and test it. But just the idea of trying and, and all the other people we work with, they're like, oh, that sounds like a cool idea. Who's doing it? And I'm like, I don't, under- <laughs> I, I don't understand. Why do you have to wait for everyone else to yeah. do it first? It's really just a form um, if you think about it. Like it's a button to a different form and it's tagged on the CRM. But they're using it on select moving homes. Yeah. And it, and it, and it may not work, but it honestly, it only is going to cost them about two or three hours of development time from, from the web people and no. another couple hours of getting the okay from the owners who were obviously nervous about that at the beginning. And to me, this just goes back to this mm-hmm. marketing yeah. idea of I'm excited for, I mean, again, I talked about my experience of going through houses unattended and then deciding on our end when we wanted to interact with a salesperson or we still wanted to go to a model, we still wanted to interact with people. But I think there's more opportunity in 2020 and beyond for uh, not the buy it online idea, but this idea of, uh, I'll steal it from, from Zillow, they use this term of co-piloting. This idea of marketing is with you all along the way. And whenever you decide, and by this point, I mean all the way through that experience of shopping and for a house and deciding what you want, then you just push the button and a salesperson will call you and will or or, or meet you or come to your home or come to wherever you want. I see this like even changing the role of the online sales specialist or expanding the role of the online sales specialist to just be that person moving alongside yeah. in parallel with the buyers so that they can check in at any point and it's the same person all the way through the yeah. journey. Yeah, and it's do not do this, okay? So warning, warning, warning. Do not do this now because it's it's a half-baked <laughs> idea. But but my idea that I was talking about on a call today with, with Mike and Jen, and they both look sideways because it's not it's not complete. But you know, the idea that everyone is going to set, even if you do amazing uh-huh. follow-up, they're gonna want to set an appointment with you to go out at a certain given time and place. You're not gonna get that hundred percent of the time. 
So at some point, is it five months, six months later, do you again offer up on-demand access? Like, hey, just go. And, and then you're still able to watch that data follow up differently after you know what homes are touring. Then maybe you get a second chance to set that appointment. But this idea of not just going for the appointment only, but co-piloting further down the process. And, and like you said, that single point of contact, I think people really like. Um, before I run out of time, I'm also excited about growing the team at Do You Convert and being able to offer new and different solutions at, at varying levels than what we have now. I just keep being surprised by the breadth of requests that we get in terms of variety of things. It's like, you know, we're do online marketing and online sales, right? <laughs> like we don't, and we're not going to, we have no interest in shifting dramatic, but you know, it's like, nope, we're not going to build model homes for you or design model <laughs> homes for you. No, we're not going to train your onsite salespeople how to, how to sell. But, um, but I am excited to, to keep growing the team when the talent is available. And then uh, podcast guests, this is uh, an attempt at kissing up to Thais, but like she is the, yeah. the I think you, I, I had to tell her like, just stop. No. Cause she had, <laughs> I think you would have booked like seven people for January. But I had a, I had a pipeline. Almost, almost none of them or very few of them are ones that I knew of or have ever met in person before. So I'm just excited to, to keep introducing you all to some awesome people that are, that are outside the industry. So yeah, she's keeping us busy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm looking at that week, two weeks, two weeks before the builder show. That is always fun. So I, oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. To say that one. Yeah, so that's so soon. I'm like, that's this year. Like, it's not 2020. Like, it's in oh three yeah, weeks, no, I for think, sure. We are yeah. excited to see all of you guys at the builder show. Most of the DYC team will be there, and uh, so definitely check out the events page on on the site. And I'm sure we'll be doing some slow content around that um, <laughs> coming up. <laughs> 